You're listening to the Getting Smart Podcast, where we unpack what is new and innovative in education. Tom was in Kentucky last month and took a visit to iLead Academy, a new school developed out of an idea from five Western Kentucky superintendents who wanted to create a cooperative high school that offered a STEM focus with Project Lead the Way courses. Alicia Sells, Ohio Valley Educational Cooperative Director of Innovation, was asked to work on it, and she went above and beyond expectations. Through school interviews and student interviews, Alicia found that students were most interested in real-world application and meaningful career opportunities. Now, that school that was created in an abandoned strip mall is doing just that for 45 freshmen. iLead Academy is preparing students to succeed in an increasingly project-based and global economy. They create opportunities to help students develop a competitive advantage. While at iLead, Tom sat down with Alicia to ask her about the school, why it's successful, what obstacles they've had to overcome, and advice that she has for others that are looking to start a school. Now let's listen in. What are you cutting? These are pieces for our cams that we're doing an IED. I seriously got this. Oh crap. Hey, what are you what are you drilling? This is going to go over here and I'm gonna glue it as supports so this can't move as and much. What are you building? An automa box that moves a character up and down on a pole. Cool. Hey, Thank can you, you. Can you introduce yourself? <laughs> Larissa McKinney, the director at iLead Academy. What are you doing in here, Larissa? <laughs> I just used a miter saw to cut a piece of wood for one of my kids. What was she doing? What do you think she's building? What are you building, Maddie? I'm uh, for my pop-up shop. I'm building ornaments, so I'm sending this in the laser engraver and making my ornaments right now. Thank so you. I needed a piece to cut out. Doing their for doing that. She's doing Christmas ornaments for the. We're having a big um, pop-up shop where they each design their own business, and she's making laser engraved ornaments. Introduce yourself. I'm Jenna Gray. I teach. I teach. I'm sorry. Engineering and math at Alley Academy. And what's this in front of us? This is our 30 watt laser engraver and cutter. It can do pretty much any material that you want. So like we could put denim in there, wood, glass, metal, and she's getting ready to laser engrave Christmas ornaments on this wood. Cool. Thank you. Larissa, we we just came out of the shop where you were you were cutting some wood. Um, why, why a shop? What what do kids do in there? They bake, they create, they um, learn to do things with their hands. They build confidence in themselves and some skill sets that they've never been exposed to, maybe. Yeah. Or they build on skills that they already have from things that they've done at home. Um, they get exposed to things that aren't traditionally um, in a regular classroom, maybe. Uh, so they uh, get a lot of experience with some power tools. <laughs> That's very cool. There is a lot of fun things happening in there. So let's back up and talk about um, the school. What's the what's the concept? How many kids go here? What why did they come here? Right now we have 93 students enrolled, um, and that includes freshmen, sophomores, and juniors from five different school districts. 
Uh, they apply to get into the school because they're wanting a different um, learning environment, maybe an accelerated learning environment, maybe a hands-on learning environment. There's multiple reasons that students apply to get in here. Um, maybe they want a smaller uh, school or a more targeted career pathway. Um, so I think if you ask each individual student, they'll tell you something different. Um, and we, we heard evidence of that this morning. There were some that were really clear about what they wanted to do, came here for that reason, then changed their mind. There were some that came here because their mom told them that this was a really good option. Uh, there were some that made the decision on their own. So quite a wide range, right? Mm -hmm. Do um, th This is really an early college high school where the, the goal is to help students earn a significant amount of college credit, if not a, an associate degree. Do students um, understand that when they sign up here, that they're signing up for a really accelerated learning experience? Yes, they do. Uh, it's prefaced. Um, in my, when I go back and recruit in January to all their eighth grade classes, um, I, I preface it that, it that it is accelerated, it's an accelerated pathway, um, but it's also career focused and you don't necessarily have to graduate with an associate of science, you can graduate with an associate of applied science, which means it's not for top notch high-achieving high kids, um, but we're looking for students with a disposition of wanting something from their academic career, of actually having their future a goal in mind. Um, a lot of the students that apply to get in, they're tired of being surrounded by other students that um, don't know what they want to do or aren't motivated, and so there's a lot of um, behavior problems in the classrooms that they want to get away from where the teacher has to spend more time redirecting students than actually teaching so then they're not challenged or um, that's kind of my experience what I've seen so but far. It's interesting because this is a cooperative of five districts mm -hmm. right um, all the students that we talked to this morning talked about an affiliation with their home school mm -hmm. and for many of them it's still quite strong we talked to students that are in athletics, um, honor society, um, FAA, and other activities. So you, re you really do get the benefit of a small focused learning environment, but with an affiliation with a traditional high school. I try to make sure that my students know that they have as much, um, that they belong as much to their home school district that they do with us. Um, and, and if they, and I guess it's up to them how much they wanna be a part of that. So um, some students never go back to their homeschool district, and some of them are very much a part of their homeschool district. Uh, and it really depends on the individual student and what they want, but they do have a primary enrollment in their home high school and a secondary enrollment with us. Um, there are only four of us here, and so in order to effectively manage clubs, we can only do so much, and especially when you get into high school. The more clubs and extracurriculars you're involved in, the more you're rewarded with things like the Governor's Scholar Program and the more um, opportunities that you can put that you've for leadership abilities. So we have to really find um, creative spaces for opportunities beyond just the, the nine to two day that our students have. And in order to do that, we have to be cooperative with our homeschool districts. Alicia, where did this idea come from? And introduce yourself first. I'm Alicia Sells. I'm the Director of Innovation at the Ohio Valley Educational Cooperative. And that's in Louisville? It's in Shelbyville, Kentucky. 
So where did this idea come from? So we had five superintendents of fairly small rural school districts that came together. They're members of ODUC. Uh, they meet on a regular basis, share services together in our cooperative. And they started talking about how to offer Project Lead the Way to their students. That uh, There was a big emphasis coming from industry in Kentucky on Project Lead the Way and a program called Kentucky Fame to prepare students for the manufacturing workforce. And they couldn't afford it. It's expensive. It's hard to find a teacher to teach it. Um, usually once a small rural district hires and trains a Project Lead the Way teacher, another district recruits right. that teacher away. So we started talking and as a non-educator, but a public policy person, when there's a problem to be solved, I start thinking about design thinking that we have, you know, how might we come together and do this? And so we had a design thinking workshop. We talked with students and that profoundly changed the direction that we moved in, that student feedback. Um, students so started as Project Lead the Way. Was, was it an early college from the outset, the idea of associate degree as a, as a bargain? No, it wasn't. Um, and in that grew out of the design thinking feedback from students. So we talked to students about what they want from their high school experience and what they would change about their high school experience. And they told us some pretty startling things. One was that uh, because they come from an area where there's high poverty and low educational attainment, no adults in their lives are interested in them going to college. So they need an excuse basically to to take home to go. Um, they also were very fearful that they'd graduate from high school and never talk to an adult about what they were gonna do. So from that, we really started to reevaluate what are we, what problem are we trying to solve? And the answer was much bigger than where we started. And that's when we came up in our brainstorming with the idea of early college high school uh, opportunity to earn an associate degree, partnership with the technical school so that that associate degree is aligned with high demand jobs. So it really grew exponentially from where we started with Project Lead the Way. So let's talk about teaching here. Start by introducing yourself. I'm Jessica Crenshaw and I teach English and World Civ. Uh, Jessica, what's it like to teach English here? It's definitely different than the traditional classroom and with such a high in interest and emphasis in STEM uh, areas, English is one of those things that the kids might not necessarily, that's what they love, right. but it is a necessity. And so it's been interesting to walk alongside them and to show that those skills in reading and writing are very important, even if they're going to be an engineer or they're going to be, you know, a doctor or whatever, an architect or something along those lines that you need those skills um, to be successful in the area that they want to be successful in. So after a couple platform iterations, you're teaching this year using the Summit Learning Platform. What What's that like to use uh, for English? It's been... It's been an adjustment, but it's been a good one in terms of um, the aspect that I love about Summit is the the opportunities to give feedback and to meet with students one on one and to be able to meet each student where they are. I think that they do a pretty good job about that. Um, and then also they give them tools 
to start to kind of self-regulate and to determine where they are as riders. And I'm able to kind of walk alongside them um, in those areas where I see the, a deficit a little bit, that teaching those skills, not only in English, but also note-taking skills, um, time management, um, being able to take a bunch of resources and effective study habits in order to pass those content assessments because that's something that they will need in the higher level learning in college and and such whereas you know in a traditional classroom a lot of times teachers will take ideas put them on a powerpoint or a prezi if they want to look cool with all the you know non-linear powerpoints and then um, students copy off of a board those notes these students are having to kind of go through those resources on their own determine what's important and then know what to take on those content assessments so it's not just necessarily the knowledge of English but also you know those those habits that are going to make them successful outside of the high school so Jessica this morning we talked to a number of students uh, that have been here for three years and they they started when you were uh, a blended program that had more autonomous learning and it was interesting that most of them said they really appreciate um, a much more involved uh, teacher involved approach uh, and so today I saw a blended classroom where you really did launch a unit of instruction, but each of them are um, able to do some work um, online as well. So it really is a, a nice blend. Absolutely. And that allows for accountability. I think that there's that aspect of it. And I think that the kids are able, as they have discussions, they have those academic discussions with their peers, but also academic discussions with instructors, um, that they truly feel like they are learning something um, as opposed to reading it and regurgitating it out. And also with English and WorldSiv and other subjects where it's harder to just do multiple choice, um, that's where the instruction and the feedback can come in um, to help those students be successful and to actually truly learn the content um, as opposed to just learning how to take the test. Um, and I've seen growth in their writing from the beginning of the year to even though it's November, I've seen the growth of, you know, the, it was a struggle at first of constantly getting feedback and changing the culture a little bit of, you know, you're good, but here's how you can be great. Um, and then understanding that that's the, the idea that we're trying to help them achieve. And so now they want that. They want the feedback and they want more specific feedback. And they are constantly coming to me and saying, hey, could you sit with me and go through this? And so we walk through how they can improve. And their writing has grown tremendously just in the few short months that we've actually had this. So another benefit of cohort-taught units is that you can add... Um some project-based elements. So after this, the poetry unit that we saw today, you'll have a poetry slam where yes. students will, many of them will present their own work. Right, so we're, we'll have an exhibition night um, in December, and that's when they'll have a poetry slam competition that's very similar to the national um, competitions that they have, you know, in different coffee houses and stuff like that. So we'll actually kind of create our own here during that night to that to where they're able to present those poems and see value in those poems and present to the community because that's one thing I love about project-based learning is the connection with community. Larissa, this is a really cool school, but it looks um, really complicated to lead. You have <laughs> you have um, Summit Learning. And you have Project Lead the Way, mm -hmm. 
and then you have a third of your students that are down the street at the uh, at the technical college, and you have to interface with five districts. Yeah. So, um, I don't know what the question is. It's, it seems really hard. How do you do this? How do you do that? <laughs> Lots of grace and patience. <laughs> um, you know, I, I try to make sure that I face every problem with the idea that that there's always a solution somewhere. Um, and I always am, am, I try to remain patient with people that say that we can't do something um, and, and diplomatic and try to make them feel like that it was their idea. That I, right. <laughs> You know, when, when we uh, decide that we want to do something different, um, it's all the people along the way that I collaborate with have been instrumental in allowing this to work. Um, the the district superintendents, the um, community college, and all of their professors and their administrators have um, always done everything that they possibly could to make sure that the students that we have, that this idea has flourished. And it is an idea, you know, and Alicia has, has made sure that, um, that that the students know that they are the pioneers and and I've tried to make sure that they're aware of this that you know as we grow we change and we adapt and and that I'm constantly listening to student feedback and I think that's kind of um it's been empowering for my students but it also um allows them to be patient with us as we grow and change Uh, we when you mentioned platforms and how to manage certain things we, we've started with different online learning um, um, platforms that we hated and that my students hated, that we changed in the middle of the school year, um, and that we've modified and built and made our into our own. Um, and every day I just try to make sure that I'm, I'm doing what's best by each individual student, not as not as an um, institution, but more personalized approach. So in all the students that we talked to today, they seemed... Um and we usually call it uh, owning their own learning, right? A sense of agency about being thoughtful about all the choices available to them. I think they have a lot of choices here. And um, how, how do you cultivate that? Because we, we talked to freshmen and sophomores that were um, seemed confident in um, the choices that they had made and even the fact that they, they may have come here with one idea in mind and had switched to a new career pathway. So how do you cultivate that level of agency? Well, um, I think the biggest thing is to build is building relationships with the kids when they know that they can have a conversation with me about something that's important in their lives. Um, I know that all of, of each of my, of my teachers and uh, my student advocate and myself, we put their, their needs first. Um, but we also hold them to, um, higher expectations. So I don't allow for my students to make excuses for things that are be- beyond these school walls um, academically. So if, if you know they have home problems, yes, we'll talk you through it, but that still doesn't give you an excuse to not be able to achieve what you want to achieve. Um, it, it's There's some tough conversations that we have, and sometimes I spend an entire day with one student or a couple of students. Um, but I think the adult conversations that they have in their lives and the mentoring aspect of it really helps them realize that 
Um, there are people there that are really supportive of, of whatever they want to do. And as long as you have somebody believe in you, that holds you accountable. Jessica, do you serve as a mentor to a group of students? I do. Um, so and how does that work? About 24 or 27 students, um, and a lot of them are juniors as well. So we, we kind of mix things up this year, and we broke off into houses similar to the Harry Potter style housing. And so that's, um, it was kind of meant for students to feel connected because we were kind of seeing a little bit of a disconnect with freshmen um, coming in and they almost didn't feel like they were finding a place. And so we wanted to- It's a multi-age group? Yes, yes. So I have freshmen, sophomores and juniors, which has been great to get to know the juniors a little bit more because I don't have most of them in class since they're at um, the community college. but usually I have set up uh, standing appointments with them, sent them reminders, and then they come and we talk about their grades. But then we also talk about, you know, what's going on with them. How are they still liking um, the program? Um, what are some of the things that they're struggling with? Um, is there anything outside of the school that's kind of holding them back? How can we overcome that? A lot of them will say, well, you know, I have this one teacher or professor that I'm really struggling with because I feel like I keep asking for help and he or she doesn't seem to ever help me. And it's like, okay, well, what are you asking? Here's how you can approach it. Here's what email you could send. And we kind of walk through that together if there's a problem. Um, But it's just kind of a weekly check-in to kind of help keep some of those kiddos um, accountable, but then also for them to know that they're supported um, and that we're rooting for them to be successful. And there's, you know, champions in their, their corner, like championing them on. So Alicia, you've been at this for a couple of years. Um, what what what's your favorite part of I lead, and 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 what word of advice might you have for other communities thinking about developing an innovative school like this? So my favorite part of I lead is watching what Larissa and Jesse and Jenna and Erica do to make sure that every student here has possibility as their worldview that they see. That sounds a little. Right, but every kid knows they can be what they want to be, and that takes a lot of effort. Um, it's you can create a model, but if there's not a, a personal relationship with kids, as Larissa said, there's not uh, that kind of effective instruction, the ability to help kids focus and learn, but also just to know we see them, we think they're important, and they can be anything they want to be. And that is the dream that we had when we started this school. So my advice for people who want to do it is go bigger than what you think you can do. That um, nothing is impossible in education if you have the right teachers uh, and educators who are committed to doing it. And we're very lucky with that here, we do. We can help kids overcome drug addict parents and absent parents and um, parents who aren't don't have college education themselves as long as we just focus on the task at hand so yeah. go big if you're gonna go go big that's what we did and and we feel like we succeed yeah it's great talking to some young people this morning whose parents really aren't involved in their high school yeah. career and just the poise and thoughtfulness that we saw in those young people who are really making it on their own was was really exciting. In fact, one of the girls' mothers hid her acceptance letter into the academy in her eighth grade year. 
So you've been at this for a few years, Larissa. What what advice would you give to communities that want to start an innovative, uh, career-focused school like this? I think that you have to forget about all the rules and 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 tiny spaces that we put on on and compartmentalized education in the way that our students should fit into those pieces. Um, I think that in order to go big and think big, um, you know, we teach our engineering students that when we brainstorm, there's no stupid idea. Um, and when I walk into a room full of, of um, guidance counselors, sometimes I feel like I'm being ostracized for some of the things that I ask them to do because it's more personalized. It's, I, I'm basing it on my students' choices, um, whereas we need to allow students to make those choices because that's what, what's, what's going to hold them accountable. That's what's going to hold them in school. That's what's going to make um, what they want to do. When you, when you mentioned, um, what was it that you mentioned, that our students need to find something that is going to make them wake up every day and want to do it. It's not based on career choices anymore. It's based on big problems that they want to solve. What's right. the problem that you want to solve? Um, unfortunately, in, in public education, we've institutionalized it a little bit to, to make it more... Um, right, now let's go on to Naviance and do your interest survey. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think it's uh, often more complicated than that, yeah. right? Yeah. Jessica, would you recommend this sort of an adventure to teachers? Absolutely. Um, and I would say from a teacher's point of view, um, the best piece of advice I could say um, would be to be okay with losing a little bit of control because like that's a characteristic of good classroom teachers have great classroom management and that comes with control and when you put it in the students hands you lo end up losing control in that and so you have to be okay with losing control and then also thinking outside of the box and being okay with things not working out the way that you envision them working out and that you learn from those failures and you sometimes it works out great sometimes it is catastrophically terrible but at the same time you know the kids are resilient hopefully and that you know that they we move on and we learn from those experiences and we change and we adjust and we make sure that they still are getting the content but also taking everything as a learning experience yeah team i lead uh thanks for Thanks for a great introduction. You guys are doing really exciting work. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for coming. We appreciate it. Thank you to Alicia Sells for sharing her school story and giving Tom a tour. iLead should definitely be added to your list of schools to visit if you're looking for inspiration and ideas for your school. I totally agree, Jess. I'll be adding iLead to my travel plans next time I'm in Kentucky. Be sure to check out the Getting Smart podcast on iTunes. And while you're there, subscribe and rate us. For more on all things innovations and learning, be sure to check out our blog as well at gettingsmart.com. For the Getting Smart Podcast, this is Jessica and Caroline signing off. Hey.